Hi, Michaela. Hi, Steve. Well, it's February when we're recording this of 2024. Valentine's Day is approaching. And you had said to me before we began recording that you had in mind some relationship myths, some relationship myth conceptions that you would like to address today. So I'm very curious about that. What are these relationship misconceptions that you would like to discuss today? Well, you know, it is Valentine's Day coming up and everywhere you look and uh, at least in my inbox and everywhere I go, it's all about the chocolates and the hearts and the flowers and the gifts and, uh, you know, like having romantic evenings and, and things like that. And um, I was actually last night thinking about this because way, 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 way back when we're talking 1998 or something like that. Um, I was dating someone, this was pre um, me being married and all of that. I was dating someone and for some reason we went, um, you know, and had a Valentine's Day dinner, the one and only Valentine's Day dinner I ever did. And um, it was the most heinous situation because it was this really fancy restaurant in, in uh, West Hollywood. And uh, it was like, a feeding trough. There was a fixed menu. You were in, you were out. It had all the, the, the chocolate and the strawberries and you had a rose on the table, but it was like, you know, mass production. And it was so frantic and it was so weird. And it was all these couples, uh, you know, dressed up and, and trying to make the best out of this Valentine's situation. And I thought, um, it was really, really hilarious back then. And that was the last time ever that, you know, something like that happened. But I was thinking back on that because it's the 25th year anniversary of me having opened an office in LA. And so uh, I was thinking back at that and thinking back at, you know, what has changed and what hasn't changed. And I think when we look at Valentine's Day and what's associated with that, that's still such a strong cultural myth. And, and so anytime we look at strong cultural myths, we, of course, immediately look at uh, discontentment and disappointment when it comes to actual relationships, because the, you know, the machine of uh, make-believe when it comes to how relationships should be and what you should do in a relationship and what's to be expected is so very, very strong. And of course, way back when in 1998, you didn't have you know Instagram and things like that. So it was just the usual cultural um, ideas. But now you essentially anywhere you look, you get served some kind of opinion on what you should do uh, in all different kinds of directions. Doesn't matter if it's monogamous or polyamorous or no relationship or, um, you know, open relationship or whatever. There's so much out there on how it should be and how much pleasure you should have and how much sex and how it should look and uh, with whom. And, you know, all of those kind of things have gotten way, way, way worse. So, Anyway, that's why I thought it would be nice to talk a little bit about uh, myth versus reality and how can you uh, put positive attention on your relationship without falling prey to the ideas of how that should look or that it should happen on a specific date and um, in a specific form, which only serves you know the people uh, perpetuating that particular myth for uh, profit or ideology. 
Oh, very interesting. And you're using the word myth there. And I know you use the word myth in some of your materials in, in different senses. Myth is in uh, a story, an old story or legend or so that perhaps has some sort of cultural significance uh, or deep meaning in some way. And then there's the use of myth, meaning something that's not true. So which way are you using that word myth? I wonder if you might disambiguate that for us. Well, I think when we look at myth, right, in general, and I use it a lot when we talk about the archetypes, of course, we talk about stories and, and fairy tales and folk tales and, you know, and then mythology, like big epic stories that kind of um, form the basis of a lot of the things we are now believing or working with. And um, you know, consciously and subconsciously, and a lot of these creation myths, early indigenous creation myths, or even, you know, fairy tales, things of that nature, they inform how we see things. And that, even till this day, when we look at the Odyssey, or, you know, there's so many uh, references, for instance, in the Odyssey that most people don't even know come from the Odyssey, because that's so deeply embedded in our, um, you know, in, in our makeup. And that's different in different cultures, of course, but they have the same kind of streams and the kind of the same kind of themes. And so regardless of where you are in the world, you will find similar um, ideas, you know, the hero's journey, for instance, and, and things like that, that are deeply embedded in the way we navigate, you know, life, and we don't even know. The myth about Valentine's Day, then, is uh, is a myth in the sense that, you know, it's something that can be disproven or that's actually not correct in the in the in that way and that's how it's used but it, i think it's kind of interesting because there is an intent to create a myth that informs uh life and and behavior uh for commercial reasons perhaps or ideological reasons right but it's the same kind of situation where there's a story created and there's rituals created and there's uh, some kind of a backstory that's actually a very interesting and not so uh, amazing, you know, amazingly loving backstory. When you really look at the story of St. Valentine, that's not actually, uh, you know, couples going and gorging themselves on overpriced food and buying really, really expensive red roses um, you know, and and bad chocolates as a as a sign of everlasting love and affection, which is insane when you think about it. And but that's a that's a creation of a myth down you know down the road from the old myths um, that makes it such that people do actually want that, and somehow that display and that um, you know noting the day and making something happen on that day becomes the marker of something in the relationship, which of course, when you step back a bit is ridiculous because the marker of a good relationship is generosity and care and attention to each other and the the situation, whatever situation you've chosen um, ongoingly and not once a year in some very demonstrative way that really has nothing to do with it. But but that um, doing something for Valentine's Day or remembering Valentine's Day or giving a gift on Valentine's Day then becomes kind of the the price you have to pay in order to um, assure your partner that things are all right in the relationship. 
and it's the price that that you're made to pay you know um in order for things to stay pleasant or um you know, conducive to a normal relationship. And that's a very dangerous road to go down there because it lacks distinction. Of course, everybody wants to, you know, not everybody, but many people enjoy being considered, right? Many people can enjoy getting your partner, uh, getting something from your partner that is thoughtful, uh, getting something from your partner that means something, right? Um, romantic gestures, going somewhere, doing something uh, fun, um, flowers, you know, all of those things in itself can be really wonderful in the context of, you know, somebody knows you and they know you love that and they do that for you as a means of delighting you and, and showing you um, that they thought about you. That's really beautiful. But when that then becomes the yardstick of, um, a certain kind of, or it's a, it's kind of a marker of a certain kind of status of relationship. You're setting yourself up for failure at the best and for total disaster at the worst. And so I think it's always important to notice um, why do you want these things to happen on a specific day? Um, and then to extrapolate from there, how could you make these things happen all year round in a meaningful way in your relationship so that it actually enhances the relationship and not um, artificially or commercially uh, makes you feel like things are okay in your relationship because your partner went by the local grocery store and got you some roses for three times the price or something like that, which I just, yeah. <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around that. Um, I have a very horrible anecdote about that, which I can tell or not tell. Well, I think you must now. <laughs> so this just this just uh, occurred to me while we were talking um, because that this is the same time period. This is actually earlier than that Valentine's Day dinner. So in the very, very, very beginning, when I came to LA and um, I uh, had to go back to school, and you know, I was trying to. Uh, get an office together, meaning have enough clients that I could sustainably work. Um, I had to do all kinds of, you know, bizarro jobs to make that happen. And so uh, one year on the top of my street where I lived, there was a florist and I was friendly with the florist because I love flowers. Right? I'm just crazy about flowers. So I would treat myself to flowers. I'd go by there and you know, get some whatever was fresh. And so I knew the florist and they were really lovely people. And so I got this very, um, you know, uh, anxious and and uh, scare, scared call uh, on the morning of Valentine's Day uh, from my florist saying, um, we, uh, two of our drivers didn't show up. We really need some help. Can you help us out? Um, you know, we'll pay you and 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 you'll just deliver flowers for the day. We're like way, way, way stretched in. So I agreed to that, <laughs> both because I wanted to help him out and also because, you know, money was always a nice thing to have. Uh, but we want to say that at that particular moment in time, there was no such thing as um, navigation, Google Maps or anything else. You had this thing called the Thomas Guide, and the Thomas Guide was this thick book, 
And it was all these maps of LA. And then there was a whole list of all the streets in LA. And then you, but those, those, you know, it was never subsequent. So you had this map and then you had to go like 20 pages later and then the next map up was there. It was crazy to navigate and crazy to navigate in LA and really, really not fun. And I was new to LA and um, of course had no idea really uh, about neighborhoods. So um, these roses, many, 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 glass vases with red roses of all kinds of price points were loaded in the back of my car and off I went <laughs> to deliver flowers and I had to go to offices and you know and then of course you go to an office and you bring the roses in and everybody in the office uh, is ooing and eyeing about the person who got the flowers and then the person who got the flowers is all validated that she got flowers um, and that somebody thought about her and it was this I mean it was just such a scene to deliver these flowers in different neighborhoods and with different people um, and it was quite shocking and then of course I want to say that I was very very late delivering the last flowers and my last area of delivery was Beverly Hills and some people were like really mad that their flowers came so late <laughs> and it, it became this massive scene of why are these flowers delivered so late well because the florist overextended itself it wasn't my fault but i got treated very very badly in in several of those deliveries from women who were enraged that their flowers came that late <laughs> and so that just i just remember that uh, as a as a means of saying um, that has nothing to do with love, of course, that has everything to do with validation and feeling um, that, you know, you were thought of in a certain very, very organized way and then feeling good about that. And half of the game there for many people was that it was seen that somebody gave them something. And that that seemed to be very, very important as well. Seen by who in those days? Well, seen by the office mates, right? I mean, or friends, or uh, whoever was home. It was. It, it it seemed to be more important that other people would witness the display of the Valentine's gift than the actual gift, because the actual gift was a bunch of, at you know, in the evening, not so not so good looking roses, right? So, so I'm I'm saying all of this to say those are the those are the things that happen when you buy into the myth of that meaning something. And and then we can look at why are these things so important? And then maybe from there, move to how could you make that happen in a relationship uh, without, you know, Valentine's Day being the catalyst for such actions. Gosh. Well, I wonder what suggestions do you have for how to make a day like Valentine's Day special in a way that's not just an empty following of uh, various different forms that, you know, themselves somehow almost end up being the opposite expression of what you're aiming for. Uh, one hears of love languages and so on, and that one ought to tailor one's giving uh, to the particular person you're giving to, and not be generic, etc. What sort of ideas do you have about how to make a day special if you would do it, for example, Valentine's Day? Well, I think the important piece is to kind of um, extract why these things work or why they are commercialized, right? And then you can apply that to your relationship. So why it works is that 
in the relational dynamic, there's typically a dynamic of one person really enjoying um, being taken somewhere or being surprised or receiving praise or receiving gifts, things of that nature, right? And then there's the other person, ideally, who enjoys creating that kind of circumstance that would um, make for a good relationship, right? That's not to say that that doesn't go both ways, but it typically goes both ways in slightly different forms, right? So there's typically one partner who is um, more into receiving the gifts and receiving the the uh, praise. And then there's typically one partner who is more into figuring out, um, you know, how to do that in an interesting way. And if that's the case, then that, of course, is wonderful. But of course, the partner who figures these things out typically also has um, areas where they really like being surprised or, or being cared for in a certain way. So the important thing here is to see where in the dynamics giving can happen that comes from a place that's not transactional. Right, because of course the real problem with Valentine's Day is right. You're supposed to um, go there and have the dinner and have the massive amount of food and the chocolate dessert and whatever, and then you're supposed to go home and have sex suddenly. Um, you know, which is never a good idea after a big meal at the end of a work day or something like that. So you know, of course that sets you up for a lot of um, you know undoable, unworkable, and 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 you know, artificial situations, but underneath the principle is the principle of what does your partner enjoy and what could you give them so they are delighted, so that they actually feel happy, so that they feel like you've considered them. And you said love languages. That's, of course, one of the reasons why the, that particular body of work exists, because certain people have certain ways they receive offerings best. And I think that's a good thing to know. What does your partner enjoy? Because uh, we tend to want to give the thing that we want to get. And that's, you know, always the case. And um, of course, if you like to get flowers uh, and you give somebody flowers who could not care less about flowers, they've never, you know, never really enjoyed flowers or I mean they look nice on the table but it's not exactly what makes them happy but what makes them happy is uh you know a visit to a bookstore or uh, a book or um going on a hike or you know things of that nature where um where it's like oh wow this is cool right we'll do we'll do something nice that feels cool then that's a good then that would be a good gift to give to somebody, something that they actually enjoy versus the rote um, set of prescribed things that you should give them. And so, for instance, I love flowers, but I hate red roses from the, you know, from, from some cold storage. So um, what, what I would prefer probably would be, I don't know, dahlias or, or not dahlias are not in season, but um, you know, something that's in season that's not red roses um, or lilies or something like that, right? So so you, you don't have to go with what's prescribed. You could go with what somebody actually likes. And then the other way around, um, if you have a partner who 
uh, doesn't enjoy going out to a big dinner and things like that, well, maybe you'll find something that they like, you know, like I said, a hike or going somewhere that you haven't been in a while or doing something that no one else that day is doing. Um, and then you are still spending time together and you're still giving each other focused attention. And that is really what it's about, right? Because when we really look at why do things like Valentine's Day exist outside of consumerism and all of that, it's actually one of the simplest principles of creating both a good relationship and some erotic friction is that you actually have to be with each other and have attention on each other that is not interrupted by things. And that's hard to come by these days, right? Because people have busy lives and they have, you know, um, phones that constantly text and ring and do things. And there's things to scroll through and there's um, kids to be taken care of and animals and whatever else. So the principle behind one of those things is that you actually set time aside that you spend with each other without getting sidetracked. Now, one of the hopefully good things, and this might have changed too, is that when people go for a Valentine's Day dinner that's massively overpriced, they hopefully don't sit next to each other on their phones. But um, if they do, it's just going to be yet another you know, boring dinner where two people are not really connected. But you can make any any occasion a really interesting occasion if you actually pay attention to each other. But then, of course, the next thing happens is um, if you pay attention to each other and you have nothing to say to each other because everything's been said all day long and it's only logistics, then even the most uh, you know fancy dinner isn't going to make a difference and it's not going to make you feel amorous after. So the key there is undivided attention and what I uh, like to call date night discipline. And date night discipline applies to somebody who's freshly dating as much as to somebody who's been in a relationship for 20 years. And that is that you can't bring your everyday life into the date because then it's just like sitting at home, just more expensive. Um, and that's the real secret to um, how do you make a day like Valentine's Day or any other date day um, interesting? Well, you have to pay attention. Uh, you have to actually put your phone down. And then ideally, you do something that you don't usually do. And you have things that you can focus on or talk about or be with each other for that are not your regular stuff from day to day living. So if you go to the restaurant and there you are and it's amazing and it's beautiful and you sit down and you go, did you actually close the back door and is the dog out or in? And oh, by the way, did you get the dog food? And uh, what's happening tomorrow morning? You're going to just ruin it. But a lot of people do that because there is a lot to consider. So that's the discipline, date night or any other day or night is to actually talk about different things. And for that, you have to have some interests outside of day-to-day -day living that you can talk about. A book you've read, an article you've read, something that you've seen, um, something that you're interested in. And then you're suddenly two people who are not just bound by all the 
everyday life situations, but that are interesting and where you can ask questions and you maybe even get to hear something from your partner that you haven't heard before. And that's not only interesting, but it's also quite sexy because you're suddenly discovering something about that person that you haven't seen in a while or maybe never seen. So that I think is what one of the things we can extract from it. Find find the kind of giving or gifting or uh, extending towards that actually works for your partner uh, via love languages or simply knowing what they like and um, really put some attention and focus there. One of the reasons why the spark goes often is that we stop doing the things we used to do at the beginning of dating, which is we would put attention there. We would set time aside. We would actually um, get dressed up or prepare or you know, put some effort into going somewhere. We had interesting things to say. We asked interesting questions. Those are the things that make a date exciting versus you know, a dinner with the person that you spend every moment of every day uh, living life with. And if you can find your way into that, you can make, this sounds so super corny, so I'm going to say it anyway, you can make every day Valentine's Day, uh, meaning you can at least make parts of your relationship both relational and erotic with a little bit of attention to those things. Very interesting indeed. I wonder, as we bring this podcast to a close, if you have any concluding thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I want to say is that the whole um, aspect of date night discipline and everything that comes with it is in a chapter of The Wild Woman's Way, my book. So you can find, if anybody listening, you can find details there on um, how to do that and how to look at that and a few other things. And then, of course, we've created the relationship course and also the intimacy toolkit. And the intimacy toolkit are just quick practices to engage deeply and to learn how to pay attention and to learn how to um, reinvigorate those parts that sometimes get lost. And then the relationship course is an entire arc around um how to stay interesting, what to do, what not to do, practices that kind of make it a bit more sexy on a day-to-day -day basis. So there are those resources out there that we have. And then um, the last thing I want to say, as we are getting towards Valentine's Day, um, and as you see all these kind of um, displays or ideas of what should happen, because there's also people out there currently not in relationship, and there's this really horrendous feeling of, uh, you know, being a loser or not being loved or not being chosen because one isn't uh, in this in this whole Valentine's Day situation. And I think I really want to say at that point, there's many reasons not to be in a relationship. There's many reasons to be in a relationship. Um, and uh, not everybody who doesn't have a relationship right now um, wants one and um, there's also and there are some people who don't have one and want one very badly and it's very tempting to kind of get into some kind of a um, you know horrible feeling about things like Valentine's Day and it's good to have some discipline there too to pull out of like being sucked into that myth and go 
what do I actually want? Not what is prescribed for me or what I think other people think I need and really spend that time while you have all this cultural, you know, um, kerfluff, kerfluffle, you know, um, and go, let me step back a bit. What of that really makes my heart yearn? And what of that is just conditioning? And what do I really want? And also what do I really have to offer? And then take it from there because just because it's said to be one way does not mean it fits everyone. And uh, just because there's a whole, um, you know, kind of postulating of how one has to be or behave does not mean that that serves uh, best. Even people in relationship, it doesn't serve mostly. Um, and so I think I just want to say that as well, because very often there's still this whole idea that um, particularly if a woman doesn't have a relationship, there must be something wrong with her. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of women I work with still feel that way, that just because they're not in a relationship, there's something wrong. But I mean, we haven't even talked and we'll do that maybe in the next uh, session. We haven't even talked about the reasons not to uh, compromise oneself just to be in a relationship or distinctions around whom to date so that you're not perpetuating old patterns or so that your life is really supported. So there's so much there. And when holidays, holidays like this show up, it's good to really um, discipline oneself and step back and go, wait a second, am I just buying into stuff? And how can I use that slipstream to actually do something constructive? Michaela Bohm, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs>